we'll get that to you. All right, Matthew chapter number 6. Matthew chapter number 6. Pray for Cindy Heineke. She has been in rehab, and last I heard, she's supposed to go home today, and so they're not here this evening. They're taking her home, so pray as she goes. She has no pain from the surgery, no pain in her legs at all, so the surgery was successful in, in that um, respect. Some pain in her back from the surgery, but all of the nerve pain she was having is gone her legs, so that's a wonderful thing, and we're thankful for that. And um, pray for Suzanne Sears. She, um, uh, they found another blockage, and um, so um, if all goes well, it looks like Monday she's going to be able to have another surgery. Um, that's a good thing. The only bad thing with that is it just prolongs her having any kind of treatment for the cancer um, that um, she has. And so um, just pray just pray for her, pray for wisdom, and um, for George as well. All right, Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to continue um, our, our series here. We started last week on discipleship. And uh, who can tell us where we were last week when we studied our first session of discipleship? Anybody know? You can even cheat. You can look in your notes. Matthew 28, 16. Good. And in Matthew 28, 16, we learned this, that Jesus said all power, right, comes, uh, is his in, uh, in heaven and earth. And then he tells us what we call the Great Commission, to go, to baptize, to teach, and if you look at that Great Commission in itself, we would say it's impossible. There's no way that I could accomplish this. Some would say, you know, I'm not bold enough to tell people the gospel. Um, some would say I don't have the resources. Some would say it's just too big of a task. And so if we looked at that just from a, a, a human standpoint, we would say we were given a command that's impossible. But Jesus said all power is given to him, so he's the authority in our life. He gives us a command, but he doesn't leave us there. The Bible then says that, lo, I am with you always. So, so the command that he has the authority to give, he also empowers us to do it. And so no longer is it, a, is it in us to do it. We're just representatives of, of heaven and we're filled with his power to accomplish what he's asked us to do. Isn't it a wonderful thing to know that what Christ asks us to do, he also empowers us to do? He doesn't ask us to do something impossible that we can't accomplish. But he does ask us to do something that we can't accomplish in our own strength. And so that when it is accomplished, he receives the glory. And that's what God's after. And we're going to look this evening in Matthew chapter number 6. And um, in, in verse number... Uh, let me see here. Let's, um, uh, let's look at verse number 33. In Matthew chapter 6, verse number 33, Jesus is, is speaking here. And what a wonderful message. Probably, obviously, the, most, the best preacher to ever preach a message is Jesus. And he says this. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for tomorrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. And so Jesus is ending this chapter with this, this statement of seek ye first the kingdom of God. Chicago, how many of you have ever been to Chicago before? 
How many of you have been to Chicago at Christmas time before? The Magnificent Mile at Christmas time. Chicago is probably the, my, Michelle and I, I love New York City. New York City is too big and too dirty for her, and so we compromise and we love Chicago. And there's, a, there's that Magnificent Mile. It's a, it's a beautiful place there in Chicago, and especially at Christmas time, it is all lit up. In every store there, has some kind of attraction because what do they want you to do? Do stores want you to window shop? No. What do they want you to do? They want you to come into their store. Do they want you just to come in and see what they have? No. They want you to come in, pull out the credit card. Not a Dave Ramsey thing, right? Pull out and what? Spend, buy their product. And so what do they do? They make it a, a, uh, a window or, or a front storefront there. They do whatever they can to draw you in, to introduce to you what they offer, to get you to, to buy what they have to offer. I thought about that because it seems to work. Right? I mean, people want what they see, and they go in and they, they buy it. I want to ask you, have you ever bought something you don't need? just because you saw it, right? We, um, we do. God uses you and I to advertise his kingdom, to, to present his kingdom, to show others what his kingdom is going to be like. We, we, we're to teach others about the kingdom of heaven. How does earth, how does someone know about heaven if they don't know of a representative that's supposed to teach them how heaven it works, what heaven is like. And, and we're, to, we're to live, the Bible teaches us, we're to live as Christians who are progressively participating in that process of, of learning what it is to live all of life under the lordship, rulership, and kingship of Jesus Christ. Christ came to seek and to save that which was lost. And if you've trusted Christ as your Savior, you're saved. Right? We're going to preach the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ on Friday and, and also on Sunday. And we, we do that often. You're not just on Easter weekend there. We, we are constantly teaching people. But I said this last week. Just because you're a Christian, it doesn't mean you're a disciple. Just because you've been saved, it doesn't mean now that you're a disciple and you're living where Christ is, is, you're under the lordship and rulership and kingship of Jesus Christ. There's a sanctification process that's supposed to take place in every single one of our lives. The moment we get saved, we don't become perfect. We just have everlasting life. And the Lord desires for us to become like Christ... And, and, and one of the reasons would be so that then we could be a representative, or Paul calls it an ambassador of Christ to other people. Representatives of heaven are us. We're the ones that are supposed to be inviting, sharing, telling people what heaven's about. And Jesus preached the, the greatest sermon ever preached here in Matthew and, and the, primary, the primary concern that you and I should have as a disciple, as a follower of Jesus Christ, is to seek the kingdom of heaven 
first. Or we could say this, to live for heaven's sake, with heaven in mind. So every desire that we have, every, every motive that we have, every, every action that we take, it ought to be with heaven first in our mind. In, in, in the entire theme, if you were to go through the Bible, you'd find this theme in the Bible is about the glory of God through the advancement of his kingdom. All through the Bible, you'll find that. You might find it through different stories. You might be, find it told different ways. But you would find this constantly taking place. What God wants to do is God wants to spend eternity with mankind. When God created man, he didn't create man to die. He created man to live forever. Because what did God desire to do? Fellowship and have man worship him forever. But sin entered the world and death by sin. And so God then, his plan is to reconcile mankind back to him. For what reason? So that we would live for all of eternity, worshiping God, bringing glory to him for all of eternity. God desires for you and I and all of mankind to worship him. He desires for man to be reconciled back to him. He desires for us as those that are ambassadors, those that have been saved, to then tell others who Jesus Christ is and how they can have everlasting life. That's our desire. That's our goal, to tell others. And that's what Christ last week we looked at. He's telling his disciples. And this week, what I want to do is lay that foundation because I believe this. All of us, if you've been in church, if you've been saved for any length of time, all of us know this, that our responsibility as a Christian is to share the gospel. We, we call it the Great Commission. In order for us to, to obey that, then there must be some, some thinking and, and our heart must be in the same place, in the right place. And, 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 and Jesus says to his disciples, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. In order for us to be focused on the Great Commission, in order for us to be focused on being ambassadors or representatives of heaven, we first must have heaven as our focus. And so each week as we look over the next five or six weeks as we study through this series on discipleship, I want to bring us to a, a question that we, we have to answer. And that question this evening I start with is this. Are you focusing or how are you doing on causing, seeking first the kingdom of heaven? Is that your focus? You say, I'm not sure. Then, then I think that we should ask ourselves this question. Today, how much focus have we put upon heaven? Have we considered heaven today? In our conversations with people, have we considered that we are ambassadors for heaven? Do other people see Christ in us? I had a, a situation yesterday I dealt with. And it was with a, because of my position as pastor, at times I have to deal with a situation that maybe is involved in the school. And so I sat with a parent and a student yesterday. And as I sat in that, in that meeting, I could have, because of my position, and I probably, could have, I probably could have convinced myself that I was right in doing this, I could have made life very difficult and hard for this student. I could have. 
But as I sat in the office, the three of us, the student, the father, myself, as I sat in that office, my thoughts were on heaven. And in fact, I relayed this to the two that were in my office with me. And I said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm working through and I'm studying through a series that I'm presenting to our church on Wednesday evenings. It's on discipleship. And a matter of fact, this, this upcoming Wednesday, I'm going to be talking about seeking first the kingdom of heaven. And in every situation, what our goal ought to be is to show someone what Christ would be like. And I said to the, this person, I said this, I want to show you what grace looks like. Because I want to seek heaven. And I want you to see what grace would look like. And we talked further about that, and, and I'm not going to get into the, the story of that. But the Lord, it's, isn't it ironic how when the Lord is working in your heart, you also then put situations in your life where you have to either be honest and deal with the things the way he shows you, or you have to say, you know what, I'm not going to deal with this a heavenly way. I'm going to deal with this in my own way. And hear me this evening, every one of us, every single one of us, every day of our life, often throughout our day, deals with situations that we can either be ambassadors of Christ to show others what it's like, or we can do things in our flesh. Every one of us. How you treat a coworker, how you treat your spouse, how you treat your children, how you treat your parents how you treat your, your, your um, uh, uh, friends, how you treat strangers. All of us have an a opportunity all day, most of the day, we have an opportunity to be an ambassador or a representative of heaven. Jesus said this, seek ye first the kingdom of God. And that would be in every situation of our life to seek first the kingdom of God. In Matthew chapter number 27, just write this in your notes and we can go back and study that at another time. But in Matthew chapter 27, verse 22 and verse 23, Jesus came to teach of the kingdom. But the Jews rejected him. And what you would find in those couple verses, you would find them saying this, crucify him, crucify him. He came, he came to teach the Jews, what, what the kingdom would look like. He, he came to be their Messiah. He came to, to die, to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to die for them so they would understand what the kingdom was like. And all through the gospel, you would find where Jesus is teaching about the kingdom and, 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 and they rejected him. But aren't you so glad that in their rejection that God allowed the Gentile, wor Gentile world to hear the gospel? And, and now what God does, and, ever, we, and we've studied this in the Old Testament because we've studied the book of Numbers and, and we've studied through Exodus. And so we find this, that God desired, he took a people, the, uh, uh, Israel, the nation of Israel, and why did he bring them out of bondage out of Egypt? He did that to show the world that he's God and he wanted a people to worship him. He wanted a people that worshiped him to cause all the world to see him and desire him. The Jews rejected him, and, and the New Testament church would be the me mechanism now through, through which God would express his kingdom. And in history, 
until such a time that He renews it with the people of Israel. What is God desiring for the New Testament church today? To be representatives of heaven. His desire for you and for me is to tell a lost and dying world what heaven is about. You and I are God's official representatives. And we're to represent His, His, His presence. We're to represent His person. And we're to represent His authority. That's what our, our, our desire ought to be because that's what our responsibility is. In order for us to do this, and, and, and a lot of this setting the foundation from last week and moving into this week, in order for us to do this, we've got to seek heaven first. And the Lord desires for us to seek or pursue that word seek. We could also say pursue. Pursue heaven. In Matthew 6.33, it all, not only says that we're to seek ye first the kingdom of God, it also says this, and his righteousness. Now, what is that? What is his righteousness? So we're, we're to seek heaven and also his righteousness, Jesus says. Well, his righteousness is the standard by which the kingdom operates. His righteousness is, is, the, is the rules by which the kingdom works. It's righteous. It's, it's, it's perfect. There's no sin. We, and we're supposed to uh, uh, put heaven first and His righteousness. And understand this this evening. God's kingdom doesn't follow culture. God's kingdom doesn't follow what's popular in society. And the rules in culture are being changed at warp speed. How many of you would agree with that? I mean, it's just being changed. But God is desiring a church, a people, a body that represents him to live in a culture representing his righteousness. I had our church pray uh, the... Uh, Governor DeWine put together this, this evangelical council of, of pastors in, in our state. And we met with him. And we met with him the week that he signed that heartbeat bill. And, and before it was even passed in Congress, and I gave you an update last week on that, he guaranteed us, he promised us that he would sign that. I sat next to a, 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 a man, and, and he pastors in a... In a, a very well-known denominational church. And um, so we just got talking, and, and, and I said, so, you know, where, where do you stand on this, this, and this? And he said, I, I stand, obviously, I'm here. I stand on that side of the way everybody's standing. And I said, man, that's great to hear. He says, I wish I could say that for my denomination. I said, what do you, tell me what you mean. He said, I just got finished the previous week. He said it was denominational hierarchy of in the state, and then there were national leaders of this denomination. And he said, we are, we, are, we are probably about ready to split. And this is a major denomination. He said, we're going to split. And I said, over what? He said, abortion and gay rights. I said, tell me, what, what, do, you, what do you mean? He said, well, there's a large percentage in our denomination that are for ab 
um, uh, a woman's choice and for um, gay and lesbian rights. I said, so you're going to teach this in the church? He says, yes. And, and pastors in this denomination can be gay or lesbian, and that's, there's not going to be a problem with that. And as I listened to him, I mean, his heart was broken over, over this. And as I'm listening to this, I said to him this, I said, so what do they do with the Bible? And this is what he said to me, sadly, they don't. They're making their decisions upon feelings. They're twisting things. They're making their decision upon emotions. And what is happening, instead of trying to stick, seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, they're yielding to sin and sinful behavior. And the sad thing is it's happening in Christianity, if I can say that, everywhere. Everywhere. Our responsibility as a church is not to adapt to culture. Our responsibility as a church is not to adjust to popular opinions in society. Now hear, hear me, church. P please understand and, and hear me. I just want to talk with you. I want to pastor you tonight. Because what's happened in, in, in religion and in churches is we've put an emphasis on things that aren't even doctrinal things. And some would get more frustrated with non-doctrinal things, non-scripture things, if something was changed, than they would with scriptural things or doctrinal things. We've put, we've put in religion too much emphasis on legalism and things of that sort that have nothing to do with scripture per se. And if we're not careful, we're going to put the emphasis on the wrong, wrong thing while in society is going farther and farther away from God at warp speed. We, we, in, our, we in our nation today, our, our nation, we've had over 60 million abortions in this nation. That ought to do something in the heart of the church. America is becoming fast a non-church, a post-Christian society. That ought to do something in the heart of us where it ought to motivate us to want to get the truth of the gospel out. If we're not careful, and I'm not saying, I'm not, forget what I said about this domination. I believe what they're splitting over is worth splitting over. But what, I am say, what I'm saying also is this, some things that churches and Christians split over are not worth splitting over. Not worth it at all. And if it, we're not careful, it will splinter the cause of Christ. 
We should be strengthened by uniting around doctrine. We should be strengthened upon, around uniting around uh, Christ's righteousness. We should be strengthened about uniting about seeking heaven first. We should be strengthened upon the word of God in, in, the, in the call to go into the world and preach the gospel. But some things, if we're not careful, can splinter the cause of Christ. And it doesn't even matter. While the world just gets farther and farther away from Christ. A person's opinions and a person's preferences. I believe this, everyone should have them. If you you lived in the Rand's home and you were a Rand's kid, there would be certain rules that we would have in our house that their preferences. My wife's preference is that our kids shower every night and are in bed by 9.30. That's her preference. If you make your kids shower in the morning and go to bed at 10 o'clock at night, we're both right. Unless your kid's dirty and then they probably shouldn't get a shower, but there are certain things. We, my wife loves, wants us to all sit together at the dining room table and we all eat together. If you push the food on the plate and all go in separate rooms and eat separately, we're both right. What we have to be careful of, though, is when we come to church in our preferences and our ideas and our desires, we have to be careful that we understand that some of that, let me take a step further, most of that should be put aside in the things that bind us, the things that unite us, the things that drive us, the things that keep us moving are the things that are clearly identified in the Bible and that becomes our standard. Seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness is what unites a church. All of these other things will divide a church. And then what happens is this. I believe the church gets to a place where the church is weak and has no power to enact change in culture. When we should, we should be so united. Do you realize this? If we as as New Testament Christians would unite against, against sin, there's enough that we could actually make an impact in our community. I, 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 talked to, I talked to some other pastors that were around that table. And one, one, one pastor, are you okay with I just talking to you? Is that all right? Because it's for a purpose, trust me. Go with me. I talked to another pastor and he was telling me about a ministry that he has. And he says, now, only a certain type of church can participate in this ministry. I said, like, a certain, yeah, only a certain denomination, only a certain type of church could participate in this. I said to him this, I said, wouldn't it be better for this, because this was a biblical cause. I said, it wouldn't be better if we had all believers, all Christians, anybody that identifies Christ, wouldn't it be better to have 
anybody we could participate in that, that one thing? And it was like that question, when I asked him that question, it was like he had no answer. Davey, like, stepped back. He's like, like I, you would have thought I said heresy. He said, shouldn't, like, that's the call for all Christians. You hear my heart tonight. We need to be careful that we don't go after our wants, our desires, changing the culture, changing the popular things in society, and forsake that our call, our mission, our Savior told us to seek heaven in his righteousness. And hear me, and I, I don't, I, again, I hope you understand my heart. If we're not careful, we can say, well, this group is moving way to the left or way to this area where, boy, they're, 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 they're accepting of sinful behavior, and that's wrong. But the reality is this. Adding things to our salvation, adding things that are not biblical, adding things that are just religious doesn't make us better. What makes us right is when we seek heaven first and his righteousness. Nothing else, whatever side it's on. Are you with me? Does that make sense? Does that make sense? I'm getting this look like you guys, I'm losing you. What I'm saying is this, it's heaven first or nothing. It's his righteousness or it's wrong. It's not, well, I, I, I'm more conservative and so therefore I'm better. Listen, if it's not heaven first, you can be as conservative as you want to be. It's still not right. If it's not his righteousness, if it's your own righteousness, then it's sin. What we're after is truth. What we're after is, is getting to the place where heaven is first, where his righteousness is what we're after, because society is moving so far, so, so fast in the wrong direction, we've got to have right representatives, right ambassadors that are firm on the word of God, firm on the doctrine of truth of the word of God. And that is what we live and that is what we teach because that is where our power comes from. There's two answers to every question. And please hear this. It's God's answer and everybody else's answer. There's two, there's two answers to every question. There's God's and everybody else's. And everybody else's is wrong when they disagree with God. Would you agree with that statement? There's two answers to everybody's question. It's God's and everybody else's. And if everybody else is in agreement with God, then they're right. But if everyone else is in disagreement with God, they're wrong. And we, the only way for us to be right is to seek heaven first and his righteousness. First, it, he says first, if, if you notice that, look with me again. I'm moved over here in, in Matthew. Look with me in Matthew chapter 6 again. And look what he says. It's very clear. He says this, but seek ye what? First. 
God has no desire for second place in anything. In Exodus chapter 23, verse 19, he said this, bring me the first fruits. In Revelation 2, 4, and 5, he said this, return to your first love. In Colossians 1.18, that Jesus Christ might have the preeminence. What's that mean? The first. His desire is for us to give him first in everything. In Exodus chapter 20, verse number 3, what does he say? That thou shalt not have any other God before me. What is God saying all through scripture? I want to be first. Not second to none. God must be first in our priorities. God must be first in our passions. God must be first. He's the most important decision is what does God think on this matter? God isn't at all, he's not at all interested in taking second place. As a Christian, as an ambassador, God's thinking on a matter should be our first desire. In every single circumstance, everything that comes into our life, what our question ought to be is, what does God think on this matter? Would you agree with that? What does God think on this matter? What does God think on this situation? What does God think on this, this decision? And God's decision has to be priority. Because listen, God's decision is always the right decision. Always. God's mind on a matter is never wrong. He's always right. And we must, as Bible believers, we must care first what God wants, my emotions. Uh, God wants not my emotions, not my desires. I, I thought about this state, this, this situation with Adam. Do you realize this? Adam's sin in the garden. Adam's sin is he chose his wife over God. Right? Eve ate the fruit. But because of, because of his emotional attachment to Eve, Adam's emotional attachment to Eve, it trumped his obedience to God. So here's his wife. She eats of this fruit. She puts it in front of Adam. And because of his emotional attachment to her, it trumped his obedience to God. Adam knew it was wrong. Why did Adam even consider it? Because he let his emotions dictate what was right instead of God's word. Because he let his desires dictate what was right instead of God's word. In any time we let our emotions or our desires dictate what is right and not God's word, we will find ourselves in a situation where we're in trouble. Now, now hear me. Our emotions and our desires should be right. We, our emotions and our desires, if we seek the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, our emotions and our desires will then be in line with what God desires for our life. You see how that works? But any time that we allow our emotions to trump obedience, we find ourselves in the same situation Adam found himself in. 
In Matthew 6, 33, the Bible says that all these things will be added unto you. And my question would be then, what things? What things? You know, in the same verse, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these things shall be added unto you by operating under his rule. We then can expect to receive what God desires for us. By doing it God's way, we can expect to desire or have the things that he desires for us to have. How do we do this? We must recognize that we are ambassadors for Christ. We're representatives. It is our responsibility to take what the kingdom of heaven, the righteousness and in the gospel, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and we're to tell the world about it. We're to go, we're to baptize, and we're to teach all nations. That's what we're supposed to do, to observe all things. In order for us to do that, we acknowledge that we can only do it with his power. And what motivates us to do that is for our thinking to be right, for our desires to be right. And the only way for that to be right, church, is then for us to seek ye the kingdom of God and his righteousness. It's putting God first in the righteousness of Christ. Not allowing God to be second in any area of our life. Not allowing lack of righteousness or anti-righteousness to be first in our life. It's dealing every, in every area like Christ would. Do you believe that? You see, and it's when a Christian behaves that way that there's a difference between you and me. Or us in the world. Because the world then doesn't, listen, the world doesn't just need someone that can have a good argument. The world needs somebody that's truth. A world doesn't need someone that just has passion. The world needs somebody that has passion for truth, passion for righteousness. The world doesn't just need someone that's strong to argue against them. The world needs someone that's strong in the strength of Christ to teach them the truth of heaven. To stand against culture, to stand against society. I, in, in my meeting with our governor, we talked to him, and obviously, my, I, I'm conservative in every, every aspect, from theology to politics and every area. And so we expressed our concern or we expressed our desires to our governor. And he said something. He says, as, he's, as, he, as he was listening to our argument, he, he put his hand on his head just like this and he looked up at us and he said, it just sounds like you guys are logical. Sounds like you guys are logical. And one of the men that were with us said this, no governor, it's not that we're trying to be logical. Our desire is to be biblical. And we believe this, that if you are biblically minded, you're logical. When you put heaven first, when you put righteousness first, to the Christian it should be logical. Because we're putting the principles of God's word first in our life and we're living by those. 
it's when we, as believers, don't put heaven first in his righteousness is where contention comes. And when contention comes, it's not heaven we're thinking of, it's not his righteousness we're thinking of. It's our selfishness. In order for us to be heavenly minded, in order for us to be the ambassadors that Christ desires, we must put heaven first, his righteousness, and the Bible says then all these things will be added unto, unto you. Father, help us tonight, I pray. Lord,